the love call of Jesus Christ is always the same. Come here, come now. Come as you are, not as you ought to be. And there's a lot of times we're trying to clean our act up first or being very careful of how we address the Lord. You know, when, when you share your stuff, whatever it is, is not when he finds out about it. You know, David says uh, in Psalm 139, before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it altogether. So learning to walk in the light, being able to hear him, being honest with him, and having fellowship and relationship with him. Our God is incredibly relational. I just love that last one. Great are you, Lord. Great is his faithfulness. Even when we're caught in sin issues, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And that's what I want to talk to us tonight a little bit out of Psalm 25. Uh, we're kind of continuing on, I guess we could say, with, with faith teaching. I've been doing this for a number of years when I have the opportunity to preach. I count it a real privilege to be able to share the word of God because it's made such an amazing impact in my own life. In Psalm 119, it says, the entrance or the unfolding of your, bird, of your word brings light. And that's really one of the things that he's taught us over the past months, you know, where he said, see darkness as an entity. There's spiritual darkness around us, our world. You don't have to even look very far. It's just like everywhere. And he said the antidote for this is turn the lights on. So the area of turning the lights on in our own heart and allowing him to explain these things and teach, to, teach us how to walk by the Spirit so we don't fulfill the desire of the flesh is amazing. Hebrews 4.12 says, uh, the word that God speaks is alive and it's full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the soul man. And Rick's been teaching on the soul and the difference between the soul and the spirit. And we were discussing some of this at our staff meeting today. You know, there's such an overlap between soul and spirit. It's hard to separate the two. We take them and separate them to discuss and to understand a bit of that area. But we're pretty entwined with one another, the soul and the spirit. This, the soul, see, we're spirit beings. We're created in God's image. God is spirit. He's created us in his likeness. We have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, and then you live in an earth suit, the body that you have been given. But the biblical order for this is in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where it says, I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Biblical order is incredibly important. I grew up with body and soul in that order. I didn't realize the whole area that I was a spirit being. But that was an understanding as it comes. See, your spirit is the part that's made by God. He put that life in us. That's why he said to Nick at night, you must be born again. It's not an option. I grew up with that area with misunderstanding some of that dimension, how I needed to be born again. 
That's when light comes, truth comes, revelation comes. Revelation knowledge is huge. You can have a lot of information with your intellect, but faith doesn't come in your brains. Faith comes in your spirit, man or woman on the inside of you. That's where life comes. And that's the heart cry of the Lord. My first exposure really to um, Psalm 25 came, yeah, 1976. We were visiting some friends in Thompson Falls, Montana. And my friend Mike wanted me to baptize him. And this is end of May, coldest baptism I ever did up in one of those rivers in Montana, I guarantee you. But we went to church with them in, I think was probably an old Grange Hall. There were no seats or benches and they had cinder blocks in there with two by 12s across them. And that was, that was a church. And we were in the worship there, and they were worshiping uh, with Psalm 25. What's unique about the band is every, well, the whole band had been playing in the bar downtown. They all got saved. Now they're in the church house playing music, which was awesome all by itself. But was, they were teaching us Psalm 25, and I'm assuming that it was probably an old Maranatha song at that point. We, we sang a lot of scripture songs back in those days, which was very precious. But something tagged my spirit with Psalm 25. I, and it's never left me. It's a, it's a place that I go when I need to, pardon me, I need to get my act together. I need to get my values back in line again. I need to refocus. I need to center in. And I heard this term, I don't know, a month or so ago, recreational Bible reading. I thought, well, that's an interesting term. What's up with that? So I looked up just recreational, and it's what you do for fun when you're not working or for pleasure. Psalm 25 is one of those to me where it re, I regroup. There's relationship. There's intimacy. He, he's drawing us into union with himself. So I've titled this Faith to Surrender. And I think this is what David is doing in Psalm 25 as well. So when I need to surrender my way for his, that's where I go. Surrender, simple definition, was to stop resistance to opponent and submit to their authority. And I think there are some times where I've gone my own way and spoken my own words for whatever reason, and I need to surrender to his authority. I need to come under his authority. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may lift you up, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. That's what we heard in all the songs that were tonight. This is the watch care and the invitation of the Lord to come into that secret place and allow him to do for you that which you could never do for yourself. He says that from time to me, time to me, to me when I'm trying to figure things out. This is like less, let me do for you. The little word let, Jake and I talk about this a lot. The letting is giving permission, in, inviting him into my circumstance. That's what I think a lot of Psalm 25 is. Now, the stop resistance, and then James 4, 6, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's another area. There's an innate part of our sin nature that still tries to come up and, and lead, excuse me, and is opposing the will and purposes of God. 
because we think we know a better way. Or we're asking Jesus to do what we think he ought to be doing in my circumstance. Well, I remember him saying, I thought I was leading. Why don't you follow me for a bit in this thing? Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? Really easy. Just slept back into the flesh. So just thinking about spirit, soul, and body again, just for a moment. We've talked about this often, but the spirit needs to lead, but the soul thinks it knows how to lead and wants to lead. And all of us have been trained more in, in our soul matter, woman, than we have been trained in the spirit. So simple math, two against one will always win. So if my spirit man and my soul man combined, then it makes my body or my flesh do things it doesn't want to do. But if as a pendulum it swings over to my flesh, it drags my born-again spirit in places it doesn't want to go. That's why he has put a conscience in every one of us. And it gives us understanding how to be able to hear and to obey the promptings of the Spirit of God. So let's go to Psalm 25. Let's read a little bit of that. I know this may be a little bit long intro, but I want to get to you. I want to make you think tonight and be able to explore some of these things so that it isn't just, oh yeah, we nod mental assent to this. Jeremy said this in staff meeting today, which I thought was just excellent. He says, I agree with a whole lot more than I believe. See, mental assent is not faith. Faith comes by an impartation of Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that's what we're looking for. By the way, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit, same Father in the Old Testament as there is in the New Testament. Same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord and I change not. We're the ones that need to be changed. So let's read a bit here. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. This is a key verse. If you haven't got that underlined or do something with that where it comes to mind. His soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is, is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. 
My eyes are continually toward the Lord. He will pluck my feet out of the net. It's interesting, and I'm reading out of one of the church Bibles because I've got so many markings in there, I can hardly find a text out of Psalm 25. But I've got written in there, he plucked my feet out of the internet. You know, you can go and look up something on the internet and get distracted by who knows what and how much, sometimes we even forgot what you went in there to look for. It's, it's just there. And he's, he's really spoken to me recently again. He said, I want you to stop reading the news. He said, you can look up some scores or whatever, he says, but stop reading the news. It messes with your head. And it sucks faith out of you about as fast as anything I know. So Jesus said this in, in Mark 4. He says, take care what you listen to. So there's a lot of rubbish out there that will distract us and pull us off the mark. So let's talk a little bit about uh, verse 1. To you, O Lord, the Lord there is Yahweh, the I Am. So what I've really come to grips with, this is, can be Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. It's the Jesus manifest who we're speaking to. He's lifting up his soul. So the whole dimension of the soul is a, is a study all by itself. So let's look at a couple other scriptures a minute in order to verify what uh, David is doing here. The mouth of two or three witnesses, every word to be confirmed. Look at Psalm 143. And I'm going to pick up with verse 8 here. It says, Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. There's virtually the same phrase again. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will, for, I, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me in a level ground. For the sake of your name, O Lord, receive me. In righteousness, in your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Servant is a big deal. Learning to serve the Lord and to be able to serve his purposes and be able to carry those things out is an incredible gift that he's calling us into that relational place. And, you know, Jesus made this clear also in, in John's gospel. He said, I don't call you slaves, he says, but I call you friends. And he, he draws us into relationship. He says, because the, the slave doesn't know what his master is doing. He says, but I've told you everything. And then he says that in John 17 as well. Everything that you, Father, gave me, I've told those to you. And so he's drawing us into that place of relational father-child intimacy, which is an incredibly important dimension. And so sometimes we talk to God religiously, like what he, we think he wants to hear from us, rather than just being real and being straightforward. That's one of the things I so love about David. You know, he just tells it like it is. Lord, they're trying to kill me. They're trying to, whatever is going on, he's just bald-faced honest with that. 
And I think this is what he's calling us into. So the soul man isn't trying to dictate things. He's trying to express need and pain and hurt and disappointment or whatever that is and bringing that out where it can be dealt with. So the soul, we talked about this, is like a pendulum. And sometimes things need to be exposed because the soul wants to slip back into leadership pretty easy. One of the scriptures that I use for that is in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And it says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. The language allows for the, for the violent destruction of strongholds. And then it says, casting down of imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself over the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Battlegrounds in the mind. Those are the things where the inserted thought pattern tends to exalt itself and the enemy will supply you with resource to keep that thing rolling. And if he can keep you in your soul, man or woman, then he prevents you from moving in faith. So one of the antidotes that I use for this is, uh, the Lord said this to me years ago, he says, why don't you be a tattletale on the devil? He says, when the enemy comes with some sorry inserted thought pattern that isn't yours and you know it isn't God's, then tell Jesus out loud what the enemy is saying. And I'll say, Jesus, he's saying it again and this is what he's saying. And then I say, but Lord, what do you say? So you begin to listen for the word. It's part of the training process because when you're in confusion and, you know, Jeremy again said this in staff, he says, my mind is spinning around trying to figure out something. It's hard to hear the Lord in that area because my daughter uses the term a lot of chatter in the spirit realm, a lot of racket that goes in to undermine the credibility of the word of the Lord. This is second voice. We talk about this often. So what Adam listened to in the garden, second voice came along and undermined the credibility of the word of the Lord. Well, that sorry thing is still working. And so I is to begin to determine what's God and what's not. And when you have a witness in your own spirit that this isn't the Lord, then expose that. You'd be amazed what revelation will come to you when you tell Jesus out loud what you're hearing on the inside of you. And it'll give you the ability to refute that. There are times he'll say, now just ignore that. Look away from that. Look at me. Or he said, take authority over that. Luke 10, Jesus said to the boys, behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall may means hurt you. Somebody's got to exercise that power. Remember, Rick's been teaching us, you have an anointing from the Holy One and that you know the anointing is a combination of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus is Lord in your life. You have authority to make the enemy shut up. Most of you know this when, when Rick or Jake is preaching, I'm praying. You'd be amazed at some of the rubbish that comes at my mind during that time frame. And I say, shut up. Get out of here. Be silent in Jesus' name. You have to exercise that authority or it will run you in a circle and steal your blessing and your ability to hear the Lord. My sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me. That's the area, surrender and follow. That's when faith comes and there's a, an anointing of God to be able to help you to walk in that. 
Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Most of you know that somewhere along the line, when Les is preaching, we're going to be in Ephesians. And the reason is, is because it so impacted my life and continues to do so. I think somebody needs to hear this. I was listening to a friend preach a lot of years ago now, probably 25 years ago anyway. And he's preaching along and all of a sudden he stops moving in what he was teaching. He says, hey, he says, somebody needs to hear this. He says, when you read your Bible, he says, read until something strikes your heart and then don't read anymore. Meditate on that. Look at cross references. Think about it. Ask questions. There's something so powerful about that because sometimes we read for mileage. Got to read a chapter, whatever. And I'm not opposed to that. Don't misunderstand me. But when something strikes your heart, he's got something to say to you. Spend some time with him. Ask him questions. Let him explain what's going on. And then Pastor Jim just went right on preaching again. I don't remember anything Jim said that day, but I'll never forget that because I needed to hear that. So that's just for free. Okay, uh, Ephesians 5, I'm going to pick up with verse 10. Remember, we're talking about the soul. He says he's lifting up the soul. It says, um, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to, uh, to speak about the things that are done by them in secret. Sometimes I have some thought patterns or some belief system or some sorry inserted pattern in that area that needs to be exposed. Where do those thoughts come from? They're inserted thought patterns that pull you off the mark. But they need to be exposed to the light of truth. Shine the light of truth on that. Then he, he says, um, but it all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. Entrance of his word brings light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, excuse me, for this reason it says, awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now I skipped over verse 10 here. I want to read that again. Try to find what is pleasing to the Lord. Now the New King James says, try to find what is acceptable to the Lord. I have quoted this thing in NAS like forever. And the other day I'm reading this in New King James and that acceptable leaped off the page to me like never before. Now they're synonyms, I understand that. They're very similar. But acceptable touched me at the core. What is acceptable to the Lord? And being able to find that out and be able to embrace that. Because I believe, you know, in, uh, in Psalms, it, it says, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my Redeemer. And then it, it says that you may, in Romans 5, or 12, it says, um, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you may know what is good and acceptable will of God. 
There's something about that area, not just trying to please him. Sometimes that's a behavioral area. But when understanding what's acceptable to him, what produces faith, what causes us to walk in the light and be able to expose some of this other rubbish that's in there from time to time, that's not your doing. And sometimes there is some old rubbish that does need to be exposed and needs to be diffused of its authority as well. Because we've got habit patterns. I so remember him saying, now listen, we've dealt with your sin issues. Now we're going to deal with habit patterns. Habit patterns produce a belief system also, and it's easy to go back to that. When you get under pressure, you will do what you've been trained in the most. And so we're being trained to walk by the Spirit so we do not fulfill the desire of the flesh to go its own way and speak its own words. And this is, a, this is a dangerous place. It's part of the warfare that we're all engaged in in some dimension. And so he's drawing us into union with himself to be able to teach us how to walk. Okay, now the, um, the next step in this is come to me. The love call is always the same. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me when you're overburdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And this is the key. Now learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is light and easy to be born. Now the Amplified adds this phrase, it is not hard, harsh, sharp, and pressing. That's the lie of the enemy. Oh, you don't want to do that. Then you're going to be one of them, try to be one of them super Christians. Uh-huh. And then the shame, and, and then, oh, look at your track record. No, no, you need to remind the enemy of his future. Lake of fire is coming. And we're not being arrogant in that area, but I'll tell you what, the enemy will run you in a circle until you realize you have authority to make him be quiet and you'll be able to speak the truth. Jesus spoke the word. It is written. He declared the word of the Lord. And James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So he's got to be run off from time to time. But there has to be the faith and the authority to do that because otherwise, see, if, if we give mental assent to a scripture, we can quote scripture. The enemy couldn't quote scripture too. Probably knows it better than you do. But when it's combined and it's mixed with faith, see, that's why Israel didn't enter the promised land because it was not mixed with faith. So there's times I've had to go to him and say, now listen, I know I ought to want to do this. I just don't. It's just not in there. Would you come produce that in me? Would you establish that? See, in the scripture for this is in Philippians 2, verse 12 says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds like works, doesn't it? No, he says, Amplified says it really well, but not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work within you Here's a phrase, creating power and desire, both to will and to do for his good pleasure, not just mine. See, when I found what's acceptable him, that's when peace comes, because faith has come. There's an anointing that comes, and it frees us up to be able to have want to, not have to. Christ has redeemed us from the law. Most of us have got our own law. See, if other people have a criteria that they demand, demand of us in that area, ours is higher. If we ever attain it, we just raise the ante. This whole sorry structure has got to die so that the power of the Spirit is leading us by faith 
and not by sight. And not by works. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God that needs to be received. And that's where we get messed up with we're trying to figure out stuff with intellect. There's no faith in that, Bill. See, this, this is real. And as he begins to birth something in us, this is nothing, nothing, this is in my notes, but this, we're all in some dimension of gestation. Something is being, we're in transition, something is being birthed, something is being, is growing on the inside of us. The word of God is to grow on the inside of us. Why Jesus likens it to seed. He's, this is out of Mark 4. He says, the seed grows, he knows not how. The earth produces of itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, then the harvest comes, then we put the sickle in. It's a progression. We're all in some dimension of that all of the time. If you're not, then there's no seed in there. See? The Spirit of God waters these things. But it, it's, it's something is being birthed. And this is why intercession is such an incredible part of this. And we spent a time at our men's meeting this morning just talking and praying for family members that are away from the Lord. Because the process that our, we are in right now, Paul says, I am in travail, I'm in birthing labor until Christ be formed in you so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And it takes a long time. And Rick shared a little bit about this. We've been praying for Uncle Bill for 50 years. And he received the Lord just before he passed away. Just don't ever quit. So some of you have been struggling with family members and, and stuff like that. I'm just telling you in Jesus' name, do not ever quit. And sometimes we get into the place where you've prayed everything you know to pray and your prayers are dribbling off your chin and running on the floor. There's no power in it at all anymore. One of our mentors taught this. He says, when you pray the thing you know to pray, just name them before the Lord. Declare their name before them. Jesus, I name. I just used Matthew and Megan, a couple of our family members that are just away. They have been in the drug culture and just messed their brains up. But we just continue to pray. Because somewhere in their life, there was good seed that was sown in. We know that part. So we're praying for the waterings, plural, of the Spirit of God. You see, they took some of the seeds that were in the pyramids for thousands of years, planted them, and they grew. The seed of the Word of God is in there. So begin to pray for the harvest of all the prayers that have already been prayed. That's what we're looking for. See, we want to see that. We want to see more of the Uncle Bills come. You know? Sorry, I'm a little bit stirred up about that. I, just, I mean, that's just... Seeing a harvest of that after that many years, oh, Jesus. It was awesome. David's pattern of life is to talk to Jesus about everything. That's what I believe he's calling us to as well, to be able to speak these things and to be able to walk them out. We probably ought to go back to Psalm 25 for a minute. It says, Oh my God, 
in you I trust. The my God is such a powerful dimension. Now we can talk about God in, in relationship to the man upstairs or God in heaven and those kinds of things, but the identification with my God. This happened to me several years ago. I'm in the middle of the night and I'm trying to shut my mind down because it's running overtime. And the Lord, a lot of times, I love it when he quotes scriptures to me that I've quoted to many people. And he said, cease striving to be still and know that I am your God. I cannot tell you what that did in my spirit at that point in time. Whatever I was stirred about just went away because it was relational. And if you don't hear anything else from me tonight, know that our God wants to have relationship with you personally and intimacy of, intimately about everything. Whatever it is, he wants to be smooth in the middle of it. Okay. Do not let my enemies exult or triumph over me, one translation says. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. The word wait there is, is a powerful word. The, the essence of the language there is also used in Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary or faint. And... Waiting is a process. I don't like wait. Uh, with me, yesterday would have been fine. Let's hurry this thing along. But you can't rush gestation because something's being birthed. See, something's being growing on the inside of us, and, and you got to be patient with it and allow that. And this is where faith comes again, where we need to invite Him to give us the ability to wait. Those that wait upon the Lord, particularly there in the one in Isaiah 40, 31, the word in essence there is exchange. So I have to exchange what I have for what he has. And then this is where faith comes and, and real life comes forth because he produces something in us. So if he tells me to wait, he always provides the resource to wait. He never gives a command that faith isn't supplied to be able to carry out his directive. And that's the part that gets muddled because I'm still in my soul man many times trying to figure these things out. So verse 3 is an interesting verse. Um, but none of those who wait, but those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. For a lot of years, I worked in a car dealership. And I worked a number of years as a technician and then worked as a service advisor for a lot of years. And there was a program brought into our dealership that was designed to be able to sell more service. And it was packaging things together. So if you bought one item that was tied to another and then it just went on. In essence, selling more than what was necessarily needed. I'm in a service meeting and this fellow was explaining this thing and I said, 
That doesn't sound like integrity to me. And the fight was on. And this man was, as, as we walked it through, as, as a deceitful a person as I'd ever been around up to that time frame. And so <clears throat> he organized a little plan with the other service advisor that I had trained and to, to operate in integrity and et cetera. And he would ask this fellow to take, see, we're paid by whatever repair order uh, was written in the service that was sold where there was a percentage of that. So what he told this fellow to do is to change my initials to his so that it would look like I wasn't producing anything and he could get rid of me, get me out of, out of the way. And so we're smooth in the middle of this thing. And about that time, my boss left and went to another dealership. And the owner called me upstairs and, and said, that Lee was leaving. He said, would you, would you like the job? Would you want to be service manager? And I had been in ministry for a, a number of years and then gone back to the dealership with another whole long story. But I said, no, I, I really don't want that job because I've got these other things that I'm engaged in and just ministering to people, you know, whenever the Lord opened up opportunity. And he said this to me, he said, do you think Ron would make a good service manager? Now, Ron was a parts manager at the time. And I said, I think Ron would make an excellent service manager. And so I went back downstairs and went to work. About an hour later, Ron came over to me and he said, listen, he said, I was asked to be the service manager. And this is what he says to me. He says, I think we ought to pray about that. A little history on Ron. When I'm working as a technician, he's in the parts department. Ron would take old, sorry, wore out parts, put them in new boxes and give them to me. And I'd go out to my, my bench and then get this old rummy part in that area. He told me later, he said, I knew you were a Christian. I was seeing how far I could push you. <laughs> he pushed pretty good. So anyhow, long story short, we... Uh, we prayed about it. Ron became my boss and the uh, office manager discovered what was going on in this repair order thing. And uh, it was just about that same time, the Lord spoke to me in, in the night and he said, I want you to take your oil bottle to the dealership. I want you to anoint the place with oil. I want you to clean it out spiritually. There's oppression there. And so I did that. And I had done it numbers of times before. And if you look around, most all the doors in here have got some oil marking on them because we clean this place out spiritually from time to time. People and stuff just gets in here and needs to be cleaned out. So I went ahead and I did that. And within, oh, just a couple of days, um, of course, the, the fellow that had been changing the repair order numbers and stuff, he, uh, he was fired. Uh, there were two other people in the dealership that were deceitful. They were just gone. The fellow, the deceitful fellow, passed away of a stroke. Now, I didn't say I had nothing to do with that, but this was in Psalm 37. It says, don't fret yourself over the wicked man that brings wicked devices to pass. For in a little while you look for him and he will not be found. It was an amazing event. The whole atmosphere of the dealership completely changed. One of the reasons I'm sharing some of these stories about the dealership is some of you are still in the marketplace. You can have influence where you work. 
And I tell you what, there's a, a whole bunch of hungry people that will never come to the church house but are willing to listen to you when you're in the marketplace. You have to be show up on time, do a good job, be faithful with what you do in that area, and it will win you an opportunity. I've done it for a lot of years, and it makes all the difference in the world. And I want to see that because I believe we're being equipped in this season to deal with my safe term is some very interesting people. And we're being trained how to be able to listen to them, how to walk with them for a season, because most of them are dealing with pain and brokenness that needs to be addressed with the power of God. And he's granted us the privilege to be able to do that. Okay, verse 4. It says, make me know your ways, O Lord. I love that phrase. Come do this to me, you know. Impart this to me. I think King James says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. The ways um, make me to know your ways. The, the essence of the language is, is know by experience. Now, some of you have heard me quote this a lot of times, but this is Ephesians 3.19, where it says, it may really practically through experience for yourself come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you become a body wholly filled with God himself unto all the fullness of God. That's his heart cry. See, to know things intellectually is one thing, but to know them experientially in your own heart, in your own spirit, man or woman, that's what the Father's looking for. That's why Jesus came, to restore what Adam lost in the fall, to be able to equip us again with the Holy Spirit, to take the things of Jesus Christ and make them known to us in the real world with real stuff in a car dealership. It's not the easiest place to be a Christian, I can guarantee you. I did it both ways as a pagan churchgoer for a lot of years. And then you get born again, then things change. And the atmosphere changes, and we bring change in there. Not because of us, because what God did. So I'm always hesitant to share some of these stories, but it's the only ones I got, man. Just the way it is. Live these things. Ways. Psalm 5, verse 8. I'm just going to read a few of these. This this show, make me known, teach in the paths of the Lord and show me these things. And he's given a multiplicity of words. Just insert another word here for a minute. This is Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Let me just stop right there. It's profitable. It's all profitable all the time. You know, Rick is, is so great at this. It's all there for a reason. We need to find out what the reason is for that. Sometimes the word of God just pokes me. and pokes me in places I don't want to be poked. So I ignore parts of that. He always makes me go back. I've been in Ephesians 5 for months and months now. And I read that and then I'm ready to go on. And he said, no, 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 read it again. Oh, come on. Can I just go on? No, read it again. Every time I read it, I see something I hadn't seen before. See, it's alive. It's, it's something that is supernatural. It's not just words on a page. It's the word of God. Oof. 
Anyhow, Psalm 5, verse 8. Oh, Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. This is Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of God is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Taking refuge is huge. This is our Lombano word. Take hold of what is offered. Don't refuse or reject. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I don't like this part so much, so we ignore that. You know, Rick taught on this a while back, this deconstructionism. And there's all kinds of that stuff going on. We take it apart, and then we put it back together with something that's palatable rather than is true. Undermine the credibility of the Word of God. And so you can do that by yourself and not even call it anything like that. You just kind of skip over parts. Uh Hebrews 12 was that for me for a number of years. You know, it, it talks about the Lord disciplining those he loves, even scourges the son who he loves. Well, you know, it says that, but it doesn't really mean that. Oh, yes, it does. I know scourging. It's painful. But it's always done in love and mercy and compassion. It's never a beating. He says, learn from me because I'm gentle. He just makes me walk through these things and it changes and it gives me an attitude adjustment to his love and his grace and his mercy. Not to the law. We're not coming back under law again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But there comes a point in time where we have to embrace the whole of Scripture, whether you like it or not. Because it's all there. It's all birthed in love. Jesus Christ is the living word. And that's what, and that's my little term for this is for sanctification, is being saved some more. It's ongoing, continuous action of something supernatural. The supernatural is imperative. You cannot do this on it. It's not of works. Well, then he says he's prepared good works for us to walk in. What's up with that? Well, the works follow the relationship. It's not the works to get into the relationship. That's what legalism and that religious spirit does. It gives us works to do. All the cults are that way. It's all works. There's no grace in it at all. And so he's drawing us and he's given us wisdom in that. Don't go that way. Come here. Let me love you. Let me speak to you. Dave and I were just talking about that. When he speaks, faith comes. It's all of a sudden, sometimes it's just simple, just a whisper. Many times it's just a little part of a phrase or a, 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 a little bit of a scripture. Faith comes. And then you're able to carry on. He always provides how to be able to walk this thing out. And he says, teach. This is Psalm 143. We read part of this. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. John 14, 26. When the, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you about all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. It's, it's just a, a, a precious area of allowing Spirit of God to to teach us. Pause here for a minute. Another little dealership story. Um, This is, I was still working as a technician at the time. And the other service advisor called me into his office one day and he said, I want to ask you a question. And I said, okay, Stan, what do you got? 
He said, I gave this repair order to another technician. He worked on it for an hour. He couldn't fix it. I gave it to you. You got two-tenths of an hour clocked on this repair order. He said, I want you to know how you did that. I said, Stan, you really want to know? He says, yes, I do. I said, Stan, I asked Jesus where the problem was. He showed me. I fixed it. Here you go. And I handed it back to him again. Stan was an agnostic. He hassled me a lot because I was, he's always poking at me with something in that air. You know, from that day forward, he never hassled me again. That was the end of it. He saw something that he could not deny documented. And it just shut him down. So the demonstration of the power of God is incredible. All right, one more. I'm working as a technician in a Chevrolet Pontiac dealership. And my boss took in a, sorry you Ford owners, but he took in a Ford that another shop had worked on and couldn't fix. It was blowing fuses intermittently. And he gave that to me and I'm sitting in the car and they had the whole dash out of this car hunting this thing, you know, it was just a mess. And I was not a happy camper. Matter of fact, I was sitting in the car grumbling to the Lord about having to work on this sorry vehicle. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, go around to the back of the car. Uh-huh. Whatever, went back there, still grumbling. And he said, you see that bumper there? That bumper's been pushed in. Look at the license plate light wire. That had been pushed far enough to where intermittently the insulation was broke through go over a bump or whatever else, it will shorten the thing out. See, he even ministered to me while I was grumbling. <laughs> this before you call, I will answer it while you were at I wouldn't have found that in a hundred years. Obviously, the other shop couldn't either. So this, I want to convey to you the practicum of involving Jesus and the Holy Spirit in everything. Because he knows, I don't care what you're doing, he knows more about it than you do. I was a pretty good technician in, in, in those days, in that era, today. Like, I'm on the other side of the counter now. I need to go to the, the dealerships here and have my vehicle worked on. It's all it's altogether a different program. But the, the, the element is still the same. It's interacting with Jesus Christ in about everything. That's what I want. With your family, you know, if you're in school or whatever else, you know, he, he knows how to do that. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. This just, I haven't thought of this thing for a year. Jim prayed for me that some stuff needed to be packed and unpacked. There were times as a technician, we need to be recertified. And uh, <laughs> I had to go down to Seattle Pacific University to, to take this test for Northwest car dealer technicians. And this was a very comprehensive test. And uh, I think they gave us four hours for the test. So the guy that led me to the Lord went with me and he's out in the car praying while I'm taking this test. And uh, I was the last one finished. And I could just see the the instructor there, he just kind of, like, would you get on with this? One of the questions, see, this is, 
I'm, I'm schooled in General Motors vehicles and, and that sort of thing. And there were questions from other vehicles. And there was an air conditioning question that related on, a, a, as I recall, a, a Chrysler vehicles. And I just didn't know the answer to that. Now, as I prayed, he didn't just give me the answer. He showed me how the system worked and walked me through it and brought me to the answer that he schooled me right in the middle of the test. You know, I was one of the very few that passed that test. A bunch of the guys blew out of there early. They didn't pass. And I give an awful lot of the credit when Doug is praying for me while I'm taking the test. Intercession is huge, and it fits in all these dimensions. And so as you pray for one another, so that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of heart and mind. This stuff just works. Oh, okay, I don't have a clue where I'm at now. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Leading. Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Our God is incredibly relational. And there at the end of, God, of that, you are the God of my salvation. Psalm 79, verse 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. And deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. In Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift is needing to be received on a continuum. It's the ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural work. Now, the all the day. Um, I think I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It's 24-7 and everything. It's developing that relation in a conversational prayer. This is another thing that I've learned to do over the years is that when I'm reminded to do something, I give him the credit for bringing it to mind. I had two or three of those just this morning. Think, oh, I need to do that. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me to do this. You develop the area of thanksgiving. It's part of worship, of giving him the credit for this. It's not your lightning fast mind that thought of that. It's his grace that reminds us how to be able to do these things, how to be able to walk by the Spirit on a continuum. It's training. He's training us how to be sons and daughters to be able to walk in these, these areas. I learned this from Jake. He only took five verses, so I think that's about as far as I'm going to go tonight. I got one more story, maybe. Maybe more, I don't know. Mentors are huge to me. And mentors that tell us God's story stimulate faith in us. Um, Corny Rinches was one of those mentors that took a bunch of us young guys and instructed us how to be able to walk by the Spirit. And I, I remember Corny saying this one of the first times we met. He said, I'm going to say this to you a lot of times. 
because he said a good teacher is a repeater. Now, most of you heard me say that, but I'll tell you what he did. Jim Hutch and I went to see Corny, and I don't know if he'd reached 100 yet, but he was awfully close up in Linden. And I said, uh, Corny, tell us some of those, those God stories again. And he began to, and I'd heard some of them before, but they were, he was just as fired up then as, you know, he was, you know, 50 years on, you know, before this. And then I, I said, Corny, would you pray for us? I'll tell you what, that old man prayed for us. It was, he was a little hard of hearing, but I'll tell you what, the anointing was on him was amazing. And so he really spoke some things into our lives at that point in time that just were settled in my heart and confirmed some things. And, and having somebody that's ministered to you in the past and you haven't been around them for a while uh, is huge. Uncle Art Corey was another one of those. Uncle Art was uh, Stu Corey's uncle. And so I ended up calling him Uncle Art, and, you know, and he would come to Coopville or Oak Harbor and tell God stories, quote a scripture and prophesy over us. It was just, it was just so simple and real. A little history on Uncle Art. The Lord woke him up two o'clock in the morning and he says, Arthur, I want you to go get on the ferry. He lived over on the peninsula over at Joyce. I'm assuming it was a, a ferry to Seattle. So he wakes Margaret up and said, uh, I got to go catch the ferry. Where are you going? He said, I don't know. He said, the Lord just spoke to me to go get on the ferry. It's all the information he had. Gets on the ferry, sees this fellow over there, and the Lord goes, says, go over to him. This fellow had boarded the ferry with one thing in mind. He was going to jump off the ferry and commit suicide. Uncle Art led him to Christ. All the instructions had was go get on the ferry. And when I was going through the, one of the roughest times in my life, Uncle Art spoke into my life more times than I can count. And when I'm working at the dealership, I'm working the service desk at that time frame, I hadn't seen him for months. And I just had this heart crisis. It was one of those areas where your heart's overwhelmed and you just want to have connect with somebody that could speak to you at that point in time. And I said, oh God, I would so love to talk to Uncle Art. I kid you not, within an hour, he was standing at my service desk. He had been headed down the island, was headed to catch the ferry in Coopville and said to Margaret, I need to go see Les. And she said, but Arthur, we're going to miss the ferry. He says, I know, but we got to go see Les. So I had my boss take over the desk for a little while. I went out in the car, and he spoke into my life and prayed over me. I cannot tell you what that did for me, because he heard my heart cry. I lifted up my soul to the Lord, and he brought Arthur to give to me. Hadn't seen the man for months, and there he was. I mean, I just, I get choked up just thinking about it. I choked at that point in time too. And there he stands, you know. Man, it's just like, how good is that? So the enemy are real. Spiritual warfare is a real thing in the marketplace. And I'll tell you what, there's people, like I said earlier, that'll never come into a church house that you can encounter just looking Paul says, pray for me that a door of utterance might be granted unto me, that I may speak your word as boldly as I ought to speak. 
There's times you'll run into people for whatever reason. You have this impression. You need to go talk to them. Don't blow it off. First of all, test and see what Papa's up to. Principles, John 5, 19. I only do what I see the Father. What are you doing? What's going on here? Is there something here that you have for me? Because I'm a delivery boy. That's it. You know, like I let you call me Pastor Les, but I'm a delivery boy. It's a good job. I like it. But you can deliver any place and be messengers of being able to speak truth into people's life and be able to help them find their portion. Time for one more story? I generally don't try to make appointments in the evening because I'm just kind of just run down at the heels. We're headed out of the house, out of the house to come here to, for, for a meeting. And I'm thinking, oh God, I wished I didn't have to do this. I didn't say anything to Donna. I didn't say anything really to the Lord, but I'm thinking this. I wished I didn't have to do this. We got in here and it turned out to be total 180 out from what I thought it was going to be. All that this person was doing it was reiterating to us all the things we had prayed about previously and the answers that God gave. I came out of that meeting flying on because God had moved in answer to believing prayer previously. I didn't have a clue. I just thought, oh man, here we go again. Because I had me on my mind. Ministry of whatever sort of that is takes sacrifice. You lay down your life so somebody else can find their portion and help and encourage and comfort them in being able to enter into those things. It takes time. Your most valuable resource is your time. Okay. I just thought I was done. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 6. When I was ordained, uh, Uncle Art was the one that headed that up and gathered a bunch of pastors that he'd been ministering to, and Stu was part of that, and etc. And each one of them had a word for me. And the only one that I really remember this day was uh, Louis Lee. He was a logger pastor from Forks. And he was about as subtle as a brick through the window. Loved Jesus with all his heart, but man, was he straightforward. And he gave me um, verse 14. Because he said to me, Les, if you're going to be in, in ministry, he said, it's going to cost you your time. And this is what it says. And they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Because he said a lot of times people pray for folks and they just pat them on the head and then send them on their way or quote a scripture to them. They haven't touched the core of the pain and the hurt and the brokenness. Awful lot of broken people. He came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up all their wounds to open the doors of the prison house and let the oppressed and the captives go free. That's part of our task. See? He's given us opportunity to be that. He's given us an anointing. Most of the time, we don't know what we're doing. 
That's one of my continual prayers. I don't have a clue. Would you teach me? So I'm sitting on the couch. This is a number of years ago. And I got my phone in my hand. And I got to make this phone call that I don't want to make. Because I don't know what to say. And I don't know when the person says hello. What I, where I'm going to start this conversation. And I'm thinking about how I can avoid this. And the Lord speaks to me and he said this, just dial the number, I will be there. And he was. It's amazing, see, when we obey him, he says to dial the number, then he provided the faith to carry out and the words were there. And that's how this is supposed to work, see, because if we try to figure this all out on head, my soul, man, I was lifting up my soul by myself. And no faith in that, see. But when he spoke, faith came. And there was the ability then to carry out his directive as well. Now I want you to look at verse 16 here in um, Jeremiah 6. It says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see, and notice this, ask. I got that in circle there. For the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in this, and you will find rest for your souls. And they said, we will not walk in that. See, the same word is in a different context is in Isaiah 30. Then returning to me and resting in me, you will be saved and trusting confidence shall be your strength. And then the end of the verse says, but you would not. They said, no, we're going to go our own way and speak our own words. And then he says, you're going to be left like a beacon, a flagpole on a, on a hill. And then verse 18, it says, and therefore the Lord lifts himself up that he might be gracious to you. And your teacher will not hide himself from you any longer, but your eyes shall constantly behold your teacher. And your ears will hear a word or a voice behind you. This is the way, walk in it, when you would turn to the right hand or turn to the left. Learn to call those course corrections. And it says, then you will take your carved images and cast them away like a used minstrel cloth. It's exactly what the word says there. It's disgusting. But these are the things, see, the, the compassion and the mercies of God in that area. Once they're discounted in that area, they're of no worth or value. But when they're embraced, they're amazing because faith comes. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes truly rich. He adds no sorrow to it. We do that. Neither does toiling increase it, but we position for it under his hand. you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your patience with me and with us. And Lord, thank you for training us as believers in this fellowship to prepare for that which has been ordained for us in this season, to be trained, to be equipped, so that the man of God may be equipped and ready for every good work. That's what your word does. We have an amazing Bible teacher and, and Rick and Jake both, Lord. We're being taught all the time. You teach us individually as well from your word. Would you give us grace to not only hear, but be doers of the word and not hearers only? how to be able to walk in the fullness of your intended purpose. John, it says, out of his fullness, we've all received even grace upon grace or grace for grace. 
it multiplies within us. And I thank you, Lord, for training us to be sons and daughters of the king in the kingdom. To know you as my God. And particularly, Lord, as enemies and, and humans many times want to pull us off the mark and get into arguments and strife and division and all of that area, want to take us down some debate trail. And Lord, one of the things you've taught us, you know, I really don't know much about those things. Let me tell you what I do know. Those are the things that we can proclaim because we've experienced them. They're mine. They're ours. Those are things that we've walked in. Those are the things that produces Uncle Art at the end of the desk. Answers to prayer. Uncle Bill comes to know Jesus after all the time frame. Therefore, do not fling away your fearless confidence for it carries a great compensation of reward. But you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may carry away and enjoy the full what's been promised. There's a fullness waiting for every one of us. There'll come a day when we get to rest, but now we, it's, our, it's, our, it's our day. I often go, Lord, back to that thing in Lord of the Rings and Aragon's running up and down clinking swords together. And there may come a day when we fail, but not this day. Would you give us grace, Lord, to endure, to see it all the way through to your appointed end for every person? And I pray specifically for all of us, Lord, that have got family members that are outside of the king and the kingdom. Would you give us grace to endure with faithfulness, with expectation, with hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, Jesus Christ, would you grant that we have a fresh revelation of what it means to be loved by the living God as we lift up our souls before you. We lift up the souls of those that are yet to come to receive the goodness and the mercy of God. Would you show, teach, and train us your path in Jesus' name.